Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 581 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Sasha, who is Australian, in her mid-20s, and has been living with type 1 diabetes since she was a young person. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I want to remind you to check out the private Facebook group. It is completely free, always will be. Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, over 17,000 members. The Diabetes Pro Tip and Defining Diabetes episodes are fan favorites. If you're looking for management ideas about type 1 diabetes, check out diabetesprotip.com. Have you considered filling out the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox? Well, if you have type 1 diabetes or you're the caregiver of someone with type 1 and you're a U.S. citizen, you can. It'll just take a few minutes. And with that very little bit of effort, you will have helped someone with type 1 diabetes. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can find out more at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Okay, so um, my name is Sasha. I'm 25 years old. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I have type 1 diabetes. Wow. I'm um, so happy for how many people in Australia listen to the podcast. It's, uh, it's exciting to me. How did you find Yeah, I, I heard quite a few episodes recently with Australians on there, and I was surprised as well. Yeah, I, um, I mean, the first time I was just like, oh, this is neat. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I don't know, finding an ice cream flavor I'd never seen before. Um, but then, you know, the second and the third time that people actually wanted to be on and watching the downloads in the country, it's, uh, I think it's one of the top three countries for the podcast. So, um, and it's always very consistent. You guys are always very nice to me. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, please. I just, don't be silly. Um, I, I was just, I'll never forget the first time that someone contacted me and said they needed help with something and were wondering if we could talk and, I said, yeah, sure. Like, you know, here's my number. And she's like, I can't call. It's too expensive. And I was like, where are you? And she said, Australia. And we ended up doing it through FaceTime audio, I think, um, which was surprisingly good. Like, do, is that how you, do you guys do that a lot? Have you um, No, no, not really. I mean, I think over here it's mostly just WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that's the common one. No kidding. Well, and so is it just incredibly expensive to make a phone call? I mean, if, you, if you're calling from overseas or making a phone call to overseas, then yes, but not, not within the country. No. I, oh, yeah. I didn't think you lived on Mars. Like, I was... Sasha. <laughs> All right. So tell me about when you were diagnosed. How old were you? I was nine. Nine. I was you're, nine years old. Did you say yeah. you're 25 now? Yes. 
be prepared to be really impressed. Was that 16 years ago? Hold on. 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 24. Oh, my God. I am on top of things this morning. Uh, so a very long time ago. Uh, and yes. While you were living in Australia? Like no, you- actually, I was uh, living in France. How does that happen? Tell me more about that. So um, my dad is Australian and my mom is French. I was born in Australia, but I grew up in France. So from the age of three to 18, I was living in France. Okay. So I was actually diagnosed in Switzerland. Were your parents together? Yes. Okay. That makes it more interesting that you're back in Australia. Like, I want to ask more questions, but I also feel like it's going to come out during the story. I don't know where to go with this. All right. Let's just, let's start there. Where, <laughs> where in France did you live? Um, right next to the Swiss border. So um, just on the other side of Geneva. Wow. Okay. And so your, your parents, where did they get together? They met in France. They met in France. Um, my, my dad was working over there when he was younger. He was working. Okay. Parents got married. How, were they young when they got married? Um, I think they were in their early 30s. Oh, that's not young. Do you think that's young? I mean, f- yes and no. Special. Like, I, f- I feel like if you ask an 18-year-old, is 30 young? They'll be like, no, nah, that's old but I'm 25 and I'm starting to cross over there. So um, <laughs> I feel like it's not that old. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't asking you to defend your own fear about getting old. I was just trying to figure out if 30 was old to you. Um, <laughs> are you nervous? Uh, I was a little bit at first, but you get no. there. You're good. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to be nervous. So, all right. So you're a young kid. You, you're growing up the entire time, I guess in Geneva and, or right by Geneva, you said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you speak French? Yes, I do. Like rock solid. If you went over there, people wouldn't be like, that's an Australian girl pretending to be French. Like, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They, they wouldn't be able to tell. That's so cool. So I'm going to press you just very quickly. Okay. Uh, turn the lights off. It's time to go to bed. You want me to say that in French? Yeah. Do it. It's on la lumière. C'est l'heure d'aller se coucher. All right. I don't think you had time to Google that. So that sounds pretty legitimate. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you grow up, were you uh, strictly French speaking or does your dad speak French? He does, but most of the time I speak French with my mom and English with my dad. That's so cool. I don't think you imagine that as being odd or like in an interesting way, but it is. I mean, to me at least, I think that's pretty amazing. All right. So were you diagnosed in French? Yes, I was. Excellent. Did that have any impact on it? Because I asked a person recently if they were diagnosed in Spanish and she felt like it had an impact. Meaning that once she reached English speech speaking doctors, they were more specific with her. I don't know why she thought that, but I'm asking you because she said that. Um, not in that sense, but I think that when I, when I moved to Australia, when I was 18, I then, I think just the transition was strange with everything, not just diabetes, just learning how to, you know, just learning the slang in another language. Okay. Like I knew the language, but I didn't know how to talk about diabetes in English. Oh, that's interesting. So is that, 
would that mostly become an issue between you and a physician or you and a parent? Where did that? Uh, probably mostly physician. Physicians. Okay. Yeah. Did you just fi- at the start? Yeah. Did you find the physicians helpful? And are they more helpful in one country than the other? Uh, I think they'd be pr- about the same. It's about the same. <laughs> but w- yeah. Was it helpful? Not particularly, no. <laughs> and Australia is <laughs> where King Kong lives, right? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? The giant um gorilla that came to New York in the 40s and took that woman up to the top of the Empire State oh. Building. He, oh, was it Australia? I, I actually yeah. don't know. Well, it's not, but I imagine in my mind that it is. So, oh, right. Yeah, because, I mean, you have the giant spiders already, so... It's yes, of course. I swear to you that I, I think it might be genetic because if you asked me, do you want to go to Australia? I'd be like, yes, that sounds amazing. What about the giant spiders? Am I going to be okay? Would be my next question. I don't think I've ever said that out loud in front of anybody. And my son, who's 21 and, you know, travels way more than I did when he was younger, when I was younger. Uh, somebody asked him about Australia the other day and he said, what about the spiders? <laughs> are they just everywhere the way i imagine just are they on the roof of your like house and crawling through your living room right now and everything uh probably but i don't think that's because there's more spiders in australia i think that's just because um insulation here is terrible and there's you know cracks underneath underneath the doors so the spiders come in no kidding so it's a construction yeah. issue you believe yeah, yeah, pretty much. Are you calling out Australians right now on their construction practices? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> no kidding. That's interesting. I know you're being a little funny, but I think you mean it, too. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Are your doors square? Do they, like, swing well, or do they get stuck, or is it that bad? Oh, I don't I don't know what the, what the deal is, but it's just it's just not good. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Um, so you said in your note that you left the hospital in France with a pump? Yes, I did. Wow. So you um, ne- you've never done injections? I'm, sorry? Have you ever done MDI injections? I have, but I – so I, I went on a pump immediately. Um, and then probably about seven or eight years later, I got sick of the pump and then I started MDI. But I hadn't actually, I had actually never done an injection in the hospital. Or maybe I had, but like, you know, in a teddy bear or in an orange or something. So that's an interesting, so you used the pump exclusively for, I mean, a long time into your, into your mid late teens. Right. And then you just decide I'm not wearing a pump anymore. Was it like a harrowing experience to give yourself an injection the first time? Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. I kind of felt like a warrior. <laughs> um, I, I remember, I mean, there, there were probably a few times while I was on a pump where I had to give myself an injection, you know, from failed sites or whatnot. But I had always relied on my parents to do that because I was always too scared. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, I decided to come off it because, uh, you know, being a teenager, I just didn't like having to you know, having the pump connected to me all the time and having it visible by other people. Okay. And um, I think I was also never really taught how to use it properly. So you were- So I didn't- I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't understand, you know, 
10 basils and things like that. Gotcha. So you I was just never encouraged yeah. to, to use those. So the pump for you was basically just a, a way to not have to give injections all day long. And it didn't. Yeah, pretty much. It, right. Um, what kind of pump was it back then? A, one of the early Medtronics. Gotcha. And are you MDI right now as I'm talking to you? No, I have a Medtronic pump that is actually weirdly looking. Um, it's very similar to the one I, I left the hospital with at diagnosis because it's the only one that is loopable in Australia. Oh, okay. Now we're getting to it. How long did you inject? Um, from when I was like 16 until uh, two, three years ago. What made you switch back? Um, actually listening to your podcast and reading the, um, reading a bunch of books about diabetes essentially and learning that there's a lot more you can do with pumps than I had previously thought. Huh? Well, hold on a second while I talk directly to Medtronic in case they're listening. See? There, I sold one for you. It wasn't like usual when people come on and say, I hate my Medtronic pump. This went much better for you guys, right? <laughs> you know they're listening. Anyway, um, that's nice. So you wanted to loop. Yes. Gotcha. And you can't get Omnipods in Australia. No. Right. Am I understanding now? Yes. Excellent. Okay. So you find the podcast a couple of years ago. Would you consider your management much different today than it was two years ago? Or did you begin to work in a different way even sooner than that? I think I had, um, well, growing up, I think my doctors had always told me I was doing a great job. And I think, I think mainly because I was, you know, I, I wasn't um, purposely not bolusing or anything like that. Right. I think my A1C back then was probably like in the eights or so. Like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't amazing either. Yeah. Um, and then and then I started becoming more interested in learning about it. I think I'm, I probably saw, um, found a couple of groups on Facebook around diabetes, and then I started listening to your podcast and reading books and just being more interested mm-hmm. in knowing more about it because I feel like I had I, I hadn't been taught really the basics. And so after that my A1C came way down and I started um reading a book by um Gary Schneider. Of course. Um yeah. And so I discovered I found your podcast around that time. And so I think reading the book and listening to you talk about similar ideas kind of helped cement it all together. And essentially, I think the podcast was a, a bit of a daily reminder of, you know, don't forget to pre-bolus sort of thing. Gotcha. That's really cool. And when I hear people talk about that, that makes me happy because that's a that's an impact from the podcast that I did not imagine when I was making it that I hear from people a lot about. Just adults living with type one who just need to be reminded and need to hear it over and over and don't have um, somebody to talk to about. It. I mean, who really, do you know what I mean? Like, even if you had like a best friend with diabetes, you wouldn't talk about diabetes every day. Um, so that's really cool. Hey, can I ask you something? Do you see, cause you're in an interesting space. You're in your mid twenties. 
So you've crested, um, how do I say this? There's this part of life, like when you took off your pump until when you decided to probably pay closer attention in that space, that's a real like teenage rebellion space, right? Like it's, it's not uncommon. It's not like you're, you're the only one that it happened to, although you wouldn't think of it that way at the time. Like when you were like, I don't want to wear this pump, you wouldn't like have a conscious thought like I'm 16 and I'm rebelling against something. (laughs) It just, you know, you just feel like I don't want this pump. And then early twenties, if you like, it's interesting. If I asked you right now, do you think you'll ever have kids? Yeah. You'll say, right. If I would have asked you when you were 19, do you think you'll ever have kids? What would you say? Uh, I probably would give it the same answer, you but would. without much thought. Ah, I see. I, I always find that there's that like early 20s time where people are just like, don't really consider m- much beyond themselves, I guess. Like it's a real exciting time. Like I'm young and I'm entering the world and I'm doing this thing. And it's not till you usually get into your mid like 25, 26, where you start thinking like, I wonder if there's more to this. You know, it's just, it's very interesting that kind of swing through there. And I'm so glad you can't see me because for some reason I'm swinging my hands back and forth. I caught myself doing it and I was like, no one can see this and it still feels ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I'm and now I'm apologizing to you for it. Um, but it's a really interesting space. Like it is, if I told you you were the 50th person that told me that right around that 23 age, you were like, I wonder if I should be like doing a better job. It, it's it's just such a common space for it to hit people. It's very interesting. Were you in school in that time, college? Yes, university. And do you call it university, I was going to say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah My- no one really calls it school or college. No. Nope. Say it again? Yeah. University? No, no, no. I mean, did, no, you said something that I just didn't understand. Nobody calls it school or college? Oh, yeah. It, nobody really calls it school or college here. Yeah, I know. I just love it when you guys say that. I also like it. If if you got hurt and you went to the big building where they take care of people, you'd go to what? The hospital? Oh, see, you said the. Why did you say the? You ruined the whole thing, Sasha. Never mind. This interview is over. <laughs> is, it the, is it the British that say hospital and not the hospital? It's Oh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, there, I think it's in the UK where they just say I went ho- I went to hospital or something. I don't know. That sounds odd. Well, yeah, that's my point. Their their steering wheels are on the wrong side of the car. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Wait, what side? Yeah, that you? was an adjustment as well. <laughs> Where are your steering wheels? You're you're all cool, right on the left. We're on left. Yeah. Yeah, you know what you're doing over there. You got to be able to hit the giant spiders before they get you. It's just like whack-a-mole. <laughs> I would just imagine you running around with a hammer, just killing things that are trying to kill you all day. Is it like that? Oh, at all? I mean, I, I always check the spiders before I go to the bathroom, I have to say. <laughs> Wait, do you? <laughs> yeah, just because I, I found a couple of huntsmen in there a couple of months ago. Okay. So every time I go in now, I just have a look at the ceiling before I sit on the toilet. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that very much because I get notes from people who are like, you know, you just boil things down to the least common denominator and everything in Australia is not going to kill you. Everything in Australia is going to kill you. It's horrible. It's like it's it's a it's a it's a, it's an island. Nothing can get off of it. You guys are trapped there. You realize that, right? 
Yeah, well, especially with COVID now, we're even more trapped than we were before. Exactly. And the real shame of it is the spiders don't get COVID. If they did, maybe, I don't know, maybe they'd be nicer. Maybe they just wouldn't feel well. And they'd be like, let me leave you alone. I'm just, I'm not up to it today, you know? Yeah. yeah biting you on your ass while you're trying to, you know, it's not right. Okay. So have you ever looked at a kangaroo and thought, I could take that thing and want to take a run at it? Oh, no. No. they kill you, right? Those things are nasty. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com dot com slash risk. If you are using insulin, you need a quality, accurate blood glucose meter. And luckily for you, I have one in mind, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. It is highly accurate. It is easy to carry and it has test strips that allow you to, like, you know, let me just explain. You touch the blood and you're like, oh, I didn't get enough. And you have to, like, go back. You know, some test strips, you can't do that with them. It ruins the test strip, but not with the Contour Next One. Not only does it not ruin the strip to touch some blood and then go back and get more if you need it, but it doesn't ruin the accuracy of the test either. It has second chance test strips. It also has a bright, bright, illuminating light for nighttime viewing, and an easy-to-read screen. Are you the kind of person who wants to have an app on your phone so you can see your data? Uh, It has that if you want it. You could do that too on an Apple or an iPhone. Well, I should have said on an Apple or an Android because an Apple and an iPhone are the same thing. But let's decide to get past that and keep going. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is easy to carry. It is easy to use. It is easy to see at night. It has a beautiful screen where you can just right there, boom, this is the number. I see it. Not hard to read. You don't have to squint. I have a little trouble with the seeing nowadays, and I use it in the middle of the night without my glasses. No problemo. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Head over there right now. Find out more about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You will not be sorry. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to these and all of the wonderful sponsors of the Juicebox podcast. When you check out the sponsors, you're supporting the show. And speaking of the show, we're going to get back to it right now. There's actually a lot of episode left. A lot. Are you enjoying Sasha so far? Are you hearing her accent okay? Yeah? Crikey. Is that like, what does that mean? Crikey. I'm going to just Google that real quick to make sure it's not like some sort of a weird thing people aren't allowed to say anymore. Oh, it's an Australian electronics magazine, uh, also uh, used as an exclamation of astonishment or as an emphasis of fact at the conclusion of a statement. There's a lot more juice box podcast left to come. Crikey. That can't be right. Uh, This is apropos of nothing, but 
I almost called this episode Toilet Spider. I just thought that was a fun fact. Also, usually when people say fun fact, there's nothing fun about it. So not sure why I did that. I mean, you, you get the friendly ones and then you get the other side of the spectrum where they can get really nasty. Have you ever flipped the news on at night and heard a story about a rampaging kangaroo? Yeah, actually, I saw one the other day about three or four kangaroos who walked into a bottle store, like a bottle shop. A bottle store? A bottle shop, yeah, so where they buy, they sell liquor. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Sorry, that was a phrase I didn't know. Um, And they walked in, and then the first one, did they start telling a joke? Or (laughs) Because that sounds like the beginning of a joke. Four kangaroos walk into a bottle shop, and it's not... Did they like go nuts? Oh, I don't know. I just saw the news article just like that. And I was like, oh, all right, next thing. Sasha, I have to tell you that when I say something completely ridiculous and people go, no, that's happened. I feel like I won something. I don't know. Like I raised my hands over my head. Like I finished a race when you were like, yeah, I see. I've seen that before. I was like, yes, I know crazy things happen in the world. Why does nobody talk about that? Like in my mind, you should get on here and go, hey, Scott, before we get started, did you know that four kangaroos went into a bottle shop the other day? Like that would be the most important thing to me if I was you. But that's <laughs> why my brain works differently, I believe. Okay. We're getting lost here in the diabetes stuff, but it's okay. We'll find our way. Um, you also, you, uh, you know, you heard me uh, say, are you nervous? And you, yeah. yeah, I'm not nervous as I've done this many, many times, but it does take me a while for me to hear your accent right. Right. Okay. So it takes me like I have to settle into it so that it bounces through my head and I can think while you're talking. I know that might sound strange to people, but I'm not as uh, I don't want anybody to laugh, but I'm not as good at this when people have thicker, thicker or or more difficult accents. And Australians trail away in their words sometimes, like the words disappear as you're saying them. You wouldn't know this because you don't hear yourself. Um, just like I don't hear myself when I say water. Yeah, no, no, that's true, actually, because um, when I first moved here, I I didn't have as strong of an accent as I do now. Mm -hmm. And I I would I would actually struggle understanding like Australians. But you hear it now. okay? Yeah, because I'm used to it. And I think I've, you know, joined them in a sense. I have. a. (laughs) But, But when I moved here, I was. Yeah, people were confused about my accent because I think I had a mix of like British and American and a little bit of Australian yeah. in there somewhere. It's just interesting because you're like somewhere and it just kind of goes away. Like, And so my brain's like, what is she saying? Oh, she's saying where? I hear it now. Uh, my, my brother-in-law is um, from Scotland. And when he's talking, all I hear is I, I, e, I. Like I just hear noises. I don't even hear words. Like there are times that I understand the first couple words he says, and then I just assume the rest of what he's saying and then nod along where it feels appropriate. (laughs) I hope he never hears this. There are things I know he thinks he's told me that I don't have any frame of reference for. So sorry, Jim, if you're listening. Um, Yeah, I've done that before. Don't worry. I'm just like, I think everyone does it. Right. He he makes this point. Then he's like, I, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. Now I'm only I'm laughing because I can hear him in my head. 
I should get a. Re- I'm gonna next time I'm with him. I'm just gonna get him to say. I'll read him a sentence and have him repeat it back into a recorder, and I'll bring it back so you guys can hear it. But uh, you, you're not gonna understand a damn word he's saying. Um, that's it's just really cool. Um, and anyway, I'm getting used to your to your speech pattern, so I'm doing okay now. Um, MDI, I'm finding my question. Okay, so I I remember back when you said the doctors were telling you you're doing well. And I think that's important for doctors to like listen to. And I now know there are enough of them listening. Like you guys really have to pay attention to this. Just because Sasha saw a doctor who some people were doing, you know, A1Cs in the tens doesn't mean her eight is terrific. You know, like you, you have to stop judging people against each other. Like I, oh, this person has a seven. You're doing great. Well, that person might want a six or a five. And what happened to you when you were told you were doing great? You just accepted it. I right? believe them. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe them. And for a long time, I think I was in, I think I was in denial actually, um, because everyone was telling me how great I was doing. And so to anyone who would ask me, oh, hey, what's that on your hip? I'd be like, oh, it's an insulin pump. I've got diabetes, but I'm fine. Like everything's fine, sort of thing. Yeah. And, and it was when I found out about CGMs and I tried one, I was like, oh, hang on. I'm not fine. Right. Yeah, you make, well, listen, it's a, it's a weird thing, right? Like you, you're trying to balance kindness and empathy, but at the same time, you have to see yourself as a, a parent of somebody with diabetes if you're a doctor. Like you're you're trying to help them grow up with it. So it's, you know, if you send your kid out to play a sport and they suck, are you benefiting them by telling them they're great? And so I guess if it's a kid who's never really going to play this game throughout their life and you just want them to feel like, oh, I tried and I did okay. That's fine, but there are some people who want to excel, and telling them that they're doing great when they're not holds them back. So you have to figure out who you're talking to before you say your thing. And it sounds like Sasha, like you would have been able to reach for more if you thought there was more to reach for. Yeah, I think so. It's about balance, right? Like you gotta, like I'm not saying they shouldn't tell you you're doing a great job, but. They should definitely still be telling you, hey, like, there's a lot more that you could be doing. Right. Let's talk about it. And it all doesn't have to happen in one second. It could have been incremental. It could have been like, hey, you're doing terrific. I bet you, though, if you pre-bolused your meal here, maybe this would happen. Um, I'm fascinated by the pre-bolusing thing. I think I always will be. I think pre-bolusing knocks a point off your A1C, you know, about. And, um, the the people don't take the time to explain it so that you could try, like even just pre-bolusing half the meal, like even if you were having 50 carbs and I said, just pre-bolus 25 of them and put in the other 25 when you eat, it would make a huge difference. Yeah, Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, when I first heard about it, I think it was in, in one of the books I was reading and I brought it up to my endo and I was like, I mean, I read this, like, what, what do you think? And she was like, oh, no, we don't usually tell you guys to do that because then you go low. And I was like, mm, all right. We don't usually tell you guys Whatever. to do that because it's a lot of work for us to explain it to you. So why don't you just have poorer health instead? 
Okay, yeah. we'll see you next <laughs> That's time. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the money. I'm going to go buy a car with it. <laughs> thanks, Doc. <laughs> Big help to me. Hopefully, one day I'll be able to drive a car if I can see. Uh, no thanks to you. It just really is. Um, it's kind of interesting. And also, I've never said this before, Sasha, but I'm going to say it here. I'm freaked out that pre-bolusing is even a word. Like, why do you need a word for doing something correctly? Like, you drive a car, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you step on the brake the split second before you're about to hit something, or do you brake prior to getting to the thing? Yeah, you brake prior, obviously. Do you think we should call it (laughs) (laughs) pre-braking? That's a good point. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Why? That's how insulin works. So when you tell somebody to count your carbs, start eating, and bolus, you've you've started off explaining the incorrect way to use insulin. Like we've somehow because because so many people out of fear have told people to use insulin incorrectly. We have to have a name for how to do it correctly. To talk people into it. It has to sound fancy. And by the way, whoever came up with pre-bolus, that is a very basic term. It's so lame. And I mean basic the way the kids would say it. You know what I mean? Like you could have come up with something better. Like we should have it should have a fancier name, is what I'm saying. Like pre-bolus. What would you call it? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it before, Sasha. No, you're gonna put me on the spot like this. <laughs> Jesus. Um I don't know. We'll have a contest and we'll have somebody come up with a name for it. I don't know. I I don't know. I but I mean it's just it's not you're not pre-bolusing, you're bolusing. And if the if yeah. the insulin takes a half an hour to start working or twenty or whatever it is, <clears throat> well then damn it, that's that's not a special thing. That's the way it's supposed to happen. Again, it's not called pre-braking. It's it's you're braking, you're stopping your car. So I don't know. Like that just never makes sense to me. I've never articulated it before, but I'm upset that it it got put into practice incorrectly. And so that we had to then talk people into doing it correctly. I, I don't know. It's bothersome to me. But anyway, you went to the doctor with the book and you were like, hey, Gary says I should probably pre-bolus. And the doctor's like, no, we don't do that. Yeah, pretty much. What did you do then? Oh, I went home and did it anyway. <laughs> you think that doctor I mean, knows? You had to, right? I mean, if if they're not willing to talk you through the ideas that you just found out about, then you've got to take it into your own hands, I guess. You don't have to tell me specifically, but what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a student. Okay. That didn't help me. Damn it. There goes my story. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll just make something up instead, Sasha. A student. All right. Hold on. We'll get back to you in a second. I'm just saying, imagine being feckless at your job. Like imagine getting up every morning and knowing you're going to give people half of the information or some of it, but not all of it. And that when they come to you and say, Hey, I I learned this other thing, you would go, eh, I wouldn't think about that if I was you. That's um, anyone who's doing that should look inward um, because there are people in front of you who are looking for help and you're, you're telling them it doesn't exist. And then they go out and find it. And then somehow you're still able to look them in the face and tell them it doesn't exist. I think what happened to you around that is horrible. Really, and I, I'm not over exaggerating. Yeah. I, I think it's lazy, and um, it's malpractice, in my opinion. So, um, anyway, and I think it happens to a lot of people. Oh, I think it happens to most people. And and it makes it normal. So 
you know, if you, then you're the odd one out who actually does get all of the proper advice that you need to succeed, yeah. then everyone is like, whoa, like, where did you come from? Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you're a doctor and you're hearing this and it makes you upset, just tell people how to handle themselves and the podcast won't exist anymore and I won't have anywhere to talk. So there you go. I won't have to, I won't be able to talk about you anymore. Meanwhile, I don't want to, obviously there are a lot of great doctors too. Um, that's certainly the truth. But, you know, just this thing, I think we've gotten to the point where somehow this little story about what happened to you is so commonplace that we're not outraged by it the way we should be. Your doctor was unwilling to tell you how insulin worked. It's the key of how you're staying alive. It's the key to your long-term health success. It's the key to your short-term health success. It's, it's, it, it's a lot. And we're just like, oh, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know that part. It's bullshit. So, uh, what are you going going to school um, for? I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I actually always wondered whether I had missed out on some information because I moved. Um, So, because I went went from going to a doctor in, you know, the pediatric ward in Uh Geneva to the adult clinic in a different country, I thought, well, maybe I just missed the transition there. And the information got lost on the way. So like this really important thing you needed to know was going to be the next thing they told you, but you happened to move in that time and now it's gone. You missed that opportunity. Yeah. I I mean, I still wonder maybe that, you know, there's, you know, they give you like a, a, a couple of sheets of paper or like some kind of like independence package or whatever you want to call it Hmm. before you turn 18 to be able to go out and do it on your own. And that actually stuck with you. Like there's a, so see that there is it's another example of what this does to people. There's this feeling of incomplete that lives in you in an anxious way. Like, I wonder if I'm like, I know I must be missing something or maybe I am like, no one should have to feel that way around something as knowable as managing insulin. It's, it's not an unknowable thing. It's not, it's not like a, it's not a big surprise when it goes right for people and just okay when it doesn't go right. Like it's, I don't know. I think that people should have options and if they can't, if they can't live up to them with good direction, that's a shame and there should be ways to help those people as well. But everyone else shouldn't suffer because you think, ah, most people aren't going to figure this out. So we'll just let them all live like this. It's very, um, it's terrible is what it is. Um, but I was going to ask you what you're going to school for. Because, I mean, 25, you sounds like you're going to be a brain surgeon. What are you doing? <laughs> um, well, actually, a uh, mouth surgeon. Oh. So I'm, I'm doing my PhD in, um, in metabolic neuroscience, and I work with animals. Metabolic neuroscience. What, have you just been – are you propping me up through this conversation, Sasha? What's going on here? That sounds really, like – I, I'm not sure if I know how to spell metabolic. It's got to be an A in there somewhere, right? Near the near the B or no? Are you <laughs> like, Googling this right now? Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I don't know what you just said. You just said I'm a space ranger and I'm trying to figure out what it means. <laughs> <laughs> metabolic neuroscience. <laughs> Jesus, I can't find the letters. Wait, I, Google doesn't even know it's a thing. <laughs> I it's, found it. Um, trying to understand how the brain controls 
metabolism. Ooh, that's important to me. Seriously, I have some belly fat. I would yeah. like to go away. <laughs> are you? Is that what you? Are you just working on that for me, or is it for other things too? What do you? What? What's the idea behind learning about this? Uh, no, it's for other things as well. Um, part of my actually part of my um, PhD is about understanding um, how insulin works in the brain and how it affects not only metabolic functions, so things like blood glucose, as we all know, but also um, behavior. So that would be like mood and anxiety and depression and memory and those kinds of things. Yeah. So you, when, when you hear me talking about like people getting to feel the way they're supposed to feel, that must mean more to you than it does to other people then. Yeah, I guess. I think I, um, it's, it's an interesting thing because when you, when you say insulin to the general population, they automatically think blood glucose. Mm -hmm. And of course that's, that is what the first thing you should be thinking of. But Insulin also has a whole lot of other functions in the brain. So we know that, um, you know, if you, if you disrupt the function of insulin signal in the brain, that can cause issues, that can cause depression, that can cause anxiety. And a lot of those things can be independent of the effects on blood glucose, wow. which is really interesting. No kidding. Um, would it go as far as to impact... Alzheimer's and other brain functions like that, or no? Yeah, definitely. Um, Alzheimer's is known as type 3 diabetes. So what happens in the brain is pretty similar to what you would see in Alzheimer's. Really? Yeah. I feel like you're going to talk about things I'm not going to be able to understand, but I'm still going to try. Um, so what is, like, in your mind... What do you hope to learn or figure out and why is it important? Um, so what I've just described here is just one part of my project, of my PhD. Mm -hmm. But essentially, I'm looking at a, a specific area of the brain and trying to understand how it takes in information about your metabolism so are you um in a calorie deficit are you in a calorie excess i is your blood glucose low is your blood glucose high how does the, it take in how does your brain take in that information and then is able to tell you okay this is the behavior that we're going to perform now hmm. based on that information and the behavior could be anything from like something that I see, like maybe a person feels hungry because they've got too much insulin in their body and so they overeat. Yeah, for example. Right. So it could be around food, but it could also be around um, your mood. So are mm -hmm. you going to be more anxious? Are you going to feel uh, depressed? And are those things impacted by more or less insulin? Well, I, that's where it gets a bit all? complicated. Okay. Well, the whole thing's a bit complicated. I Googled yeah. metabolic <laughs> neuroscience and nothing pops up. 
<laughs> just like <laughs> Google's like, hey, uh, I don't know. It must be you must be talking to somebody smarter than you because well, I don't know what you're talking about here. Um, it it's how so? So like so, let's pick one thing. Let's pick. Um, I don't know. We'll pick depression for a second. So how would insulin impact depression? Oh, so I'm not looking at depression specifically, but there are studies showing that if you, if, for example, you delete the insulin receptor in the brain, it means that the effect that that has, so if you do that in mice, you see that these mice then become more anxious and more depressed in certain specific scenarios. Okay. Specific scenarios like? Well, if, if you test them, sorry, yeah, uh-huh. we do um, behavioral tests with the animals to test certain things. So, for example, you put the mouse in an open arena with a big light on top. We know that the mice are, are afraid of open spaces because they're afraid of potential predators. Mm-hmm. So then you have a look at where the mice the mouse is going to spend the most of its time and you can analyze that and say, well, hey, it's spending most of its time in the corners of the arena or in the center. And so if it's spending more time in the center, then it's not as anxious. And you can actually see that there's a correlation between that and this insulin receptor. Yes. Wow. Can you impact the receptor? You can delete it. Sorry. That's that's what I've been doing for the past few months. So when you take that, so you're taking the receptor away, do you do it with pharmaceuticals? Uh, with, um, with genetically encoded viruses. Okay. So there's a virus that goes in and deletes this. On, that's amazing, first of all. Uh, and And now you take that away, and that makes the mice more anxious so you see them in the corners more yes is there a way to bolster that so that they're braver and sit in the middle and just sunbathe under the light (laughs) that would be cool um i don't know at this point i don't know right but that's the kind of things you're trying to to learn about yes well just trying to learn how how it works right so this receptor is that is it, are you at the point where you can say, is it overworking and that's making them anxious? Like, should they not be as anxious as they are? Like, like I'm assuming you're looking for some way for this to translate into like people at some point. Like you're not just trying to perfect the mouse population of the planet, unless these mice can kill spiders. And then of course, let us weaponize them immediately. Uh, but, um, so <laughs> I mean, that would should, be incredibly scary. <laughs> well, you need to be able to pee in peace. Can you imagine if you just had like a little mouse that you released into the, never mind, we're getting down the wrong road. Um, so like, I'm like, what's the impact for people? Like, are you trying to figure out why people are like how much impact this has on depression, anxiety, things like that? Um, yes, that's one aspect of it. So, there are um, people showing that if you use insulin intranasally, so in the nose, mm-hmm. um, that can alleviate some of the effects of depression and anxiety. Instead of using an injected insulin? Yes. 
So yeah. essentially bypassing the effect on blood glucose. Bypassing the effect on blood glucose. Oh. So, yeah. So oh. if you inject it in your blood, if you, you know, just get an injection um, under the skin, then it's going to obviously affect your blood glucose, right? right. It's going to drop. But if you put it up your nose, um, depending, I think depending on the dose or I don't, I don't know too much about that. Mm. It's just a study I read and I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, essentially you're kind of, you don't have that big drop in blood glucose, but you do still have the effects in the brain. And yeah. that seems to um, be showing that people generally tend to feel better. They have more self-confidence. They feel less stressed. No kidding. And we should say not to do that, right? Like, because, like, please don't let anybody no. try that. Okay, thank you. Don't do this at home. <laughs> it's not like... It's not like a thing that like everyone could do. This is in a controlled lab situation, et cetera, in one study. Um, that's incredible, though. So is there – see, the whole thing, Sasha, and if I'm an idiot, you'll stop me. Um, and you'll sound incredibly bright doing it because you have your accent. But um, I, I just think of when you look around and you see people who are – some are overweight, some are underweight. Some people struggle with one thing. Some people have anxiety. Some people don't. To me, it's all fine tuning inside of your body that we don't understand how to tune, right? Like we do our best with diet and exercise and supplements, you know, um, you know, I can bring my vitamin D up with a supplement, like that kind of thing. But there is, if there were, if there were knobs on your back, there, there would be a, a fine tuning that would work better for your body than often the fine tuning that you got from nature. Am I right about that in a really strange way? Um, I, I guess you guess, I, th- I think that's a very complicated question. Well, if, well no, it's incredibly complicated, but if, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you could plug a, a computer into me and somehow magically had readings for all of my settings, where everything was, where my iron level is and, and, you know, function of my liver and all this, and you could just turn knobs and perfect them, then there would be a. Uh, a more harmonious like physical life for me if you could do that and i mean is that like the end goal of all this is to fine-tune people at some point um, I-, I mean yeah i i guess like if you think about it in terms of you know potential therapies for obesity diabetes and psychiatric disorders right but I think that's way down the line. Oh no, I don't like, think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. Like yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just. Um, I'm just. My. What I'm doing is really just trying to understand how it works. No, I know. You I know, mean, then, yeah, you're in the infancy of something that, if we get to the end of it, would be a millennium from now, probably. But I mean, it. It's not. It doesn't make it untrue that you know, I could pull any random person off the street and give them a blood test. And while they might be quote unquote in range, they still maybe could benefit from a little more of one thing, a little less of another. Um, and that I just think that, how do I mean this? You know, when you see somebody who's just like jacked up and they're just like in amazing shape and you look at them and you think like, oh my God, I would never be in shape like that. And they're just, they're rock hard and they, everything looks like it works for them. And they, they go to run and they run off like a cheetah and they're not, they're not winded when it's over. And you just think, well, they just won some sort of a genetic lottery. You, you know what I mean? Like, and then you see another person who doesn't have that ability. That person didn't do anything wrong. 
were different. You know what I mean? They were just born like everybody else. And um, I don't know. It's always occurred to me. It's a deeper thought and it's a little like maybe we should yeah. all mushrooms to talk about it. I don't know. But um, it just it just seems to me like there's an obvious unfairness to being alive. And sometimes when, when people like you were looking at stuff like this, I think, wow, maybe one day they'll figure out how to turn one of those knobs, you know? Um, anyway, I think it's really cool. I think, I think that's a comforting way for people to think about it, but I think that the environment affects a lot of it. Like obviously genes, you know, some people have quote unquote better genes than others, but how you live, I think is underrated. Yeah. Just where and you end how up. it affects. Yeah. Like we could take two babies and they could be exactly the same. And I could put one of those babies in a, a middle income household that's got radon. And I could put one of those babies in an upper income household that doesn't have radon. And if we track them, their health would probably go in two different directions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you were describing the guy with rock hard abs, well, you know, that person obviously didn't get there in, you know, a couple of days. Yeah, it's interesting. I oh, So I, I like what you just said when you said, I think people could find that comforting. It felt like what you said was, Scott, you're a child and you think like a <laughs> child and you were trying to be polite. <laughs> Okay, no, I did not mean that. You didn't mean that? I was certain that you were like, hey, idiot. <laughs> stop stop dreaming. That's not how it's going to work. And I know, like, listen, I understand it's probably never going to work like that. Um, but it just, it's interesting to think that in a perfect world, it could. I mean, listen, you, you know, you have type 1 diabetes. They check your vitamin D level, right? And it, that's something they don't do for most people. I actually don't think I've ever had that checked. Really? This Australia is yeah. letting you down. You should have that checked. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I do take it most days. I do take a supplement most days, but yeah. I've ne- I don't think I've ever had it checked. No kidding. All right. Let's have that done in our next blood work. Um, because a, a, a lower vitamin D level is um, can be more common with people with type 1. And just imagine that, like yeah. that simple thing, like taking a supplement every day of vitamin D that could improve your life. And you wouldn't even know to think of it that way. And then think of all the, the bar- say that is true. Say you taking uh, vitamin D would improve your life, but then you go to the store and buy like some crappy vitamin D supplement that doesn't work as well as it should. And so you still don't get the benefit. Like there are so many barriers to success uh, along like everything. I don't know. You're making me sad about the yeah. world. I don't know how this is happening. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I no, didn't no. Just do that. I feel like I'm in a sadness matrix. <laughs> 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 um, it just it, it it um. I think it's from doing the podcast. Like it, it's sad to me that some people don't know how to pre-bolus their insulin. It's sad to me to think that your vitamin D level could be lower and it could be impacting your life, or that I just saw a person um the other day who I know has listened to the podcast for a long time um, has been struggling with something that was clearly thyroid related that they didn't realize was thyroid related until they listened to the podcast about the thyroid and then thought, Oh, wow, I have those symptoms. I should check. And they checked 
and now they're on their way, you know, to, to getting it fixed. But without a podcast episode, would have never thought that the problems they were having were thyroid related. So imagine that. Imagine you're low on energy, gaining weight, um, moody, like all these things are happening to you. But no one will ever figure out it's your thyroid until you get so sick that you land in a hospital and they do so many tests. And eventually somebody goes, oh, look how high their TSH is. They're, they have Hashimoto's. Um, it's That part makes me sad. And I think that might be specifically because of my job. Um, because I don't think most people think of illness as that. But I always think like there's something you could see or do if you knew to see or do it it would save you the time. And to me, the time is what's most important. Like this time that this person spent not feeling well is lost. And that that bothers me more than anything else. And it has nothing to do with what you're going to school for, but this is where, you're, where your life has led me. So anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I should apologize <laughs> to you now. <laughs> no, no, I, I do understand what you mean. Yeah. Um. So- I think I think it's hard as well because you don't I think a lot of people especially at the start after diagnosis they're not necessarily in the right mindset to absorb all of that information anyway so even if you tell them they might you know mm-hmm. not remember or not see it as important right well that's why it's important to have doctors that don't look at your 8a1c and go doing great sasha go get them kid <laughs> you need somebody to say how you feeling oh i feel a little tired really? Okay. Let's figure out why not just have you tried cutting back on potato chips? Like, I mean, sure. Potato chips, probably not great, but you know, like there's never, I guess until you meet a really thoughtful doctor, you don't recognize what it means to not have one. And, um, like I was lucky enough to meet uh, a woman named, uh, Addie Benito who came on and did the thyroid episode um, specifically, but she's also my, my, my family, anybody in my family who has a thyroid issue, she's their doctor. And to see somebody know what they're doing and be able to test levels and infer things from them and make adjustments to medication like a ninja and not make it take eight or nine months for you to feel better. Like that adjustment time when you see your doctor be like oh let's just try a little more a little like you are ruining people's lives if you don't know what you're doing like that like let's throw a dart and see if it hits um you're just you're stealing days and weeks and months from people and they could get um they could get frustrated and just stop trying and so it's amazing to have someone who can kind of like like just dial in right away and know what to do and i mean i know every every person can't be like that but everybody should Everyone deserves a doctor like that, I guess. Like, I think your story somehow made me upset. It's not your fault. <laughs> How far <laughs> oh, off the I'm path sorry. are No, no. Are you apologizing to me? Stop it. Um, what did you, so what do you do with this degree? Like once you get this thing, you get a job somewhere and what do you, what are you hoping to do? That's a very loaded question because I'm asking myself that every day. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm, I've got about six to nine months left um, to be able to finish this PhD. Right. And afterwards, I'm not sure, but I am interested in um, potentially going into clinical trials. Okay. Not necessarily anything to do with insulin in the brain, but um, 
yeah, um, working with animals is a very specific job. I feel like I, I don't always agree with everything that's going on there. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't aspire to work with animals for the rest of my life. Okay. Because of how they're treated during testing? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I think I also became a vegetarian a couple of years ago. So I feel like that doesn't really align with that. <laughs> how do you handle the spiders now? Do you try to shoo them out the window? <laughs> okay, spiders are different though. <laughs> they do not belong in my home. <laughs> <laughs> There's a level to this vegetarianism for you, huh? And it, it, yeah. it, the line, the line forms right around a spider near your butt. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I love all things, not you. <laughs> I'd never eat a chicken, but I will squish you. I, I see you. I listen. You're not going to get me to argue with you. Um, oh, look, it's it's also because. You know, when you when you work with animals, you don't really have a you don't necessarily have a nine to five Monday to Friday job. You are required to, you know, go in on the weekends and check that they're okay and gotcha. I just don't want that kind of responsibility. You want your weekends to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do on the weekend? Uh honestly it sounds real sad, but I just work. Oh, so that's what you're trying to avoid. Like, yes, exactly. So you want the things you imagine people do on the weekends. That's right. Right. Are you going to stay in Australia or do you want to go back to France? Um, I think I will go back eventually in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Where's the healthcare system better for you? Oh, I... I don't know, actually, because I, I never lived in France as an adult. Hmm. So I, I wasn't privy to all of that, you know, insurance, healthcare kind of information. Gotcha. France sounds nice. But I think, I think Australia is overall pretty good because a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of things are subsidized, mm-hmm. especially insulin and things like, you know, needles and, insulin pump consumables and that sort of thing. Gotcha. But um, but it is very sad that CGNs are not covered by anyone in Australia. It sounds like they're making progress on that, but it's slow. Yeah, it is very slow. Um, I think now anyone under 21 years of age or um, pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant is able to get CGNs for free. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Are you using one? Yes. Well, you are obviously because you're looping. So yeah. But you're using the Medtronic one. No, no, I'm on G6. Oh, I'm sorry. Dexcom. The Dexcom and then the Medtronic pump that's loopable. Got it. Yes. Um, I'm on. A, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of Medtronic to be <laughs> honest. I uh, I only went to the to the Medtronic one because that's the only one that's loopable. But before that, I was using Tandem. Yeah. I well, hopefully they're not listening anymore because you said something nice earlier. I don't want them to hear this, um, and I don't want people who love their 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 um, Medtronic pumps to be mad at me, which has happened in the past. So um, I don't need that. Although it led to a great interview. Um, if you've never heard it, I'll try to find it for you, but uh, and tell you privately uh, because I don't have the information right now. But one time, Jenny and I were talking about Medtronic pumps, and Jenny didn't like using it. 
um, and didn't have like glowing things to say about it. And then I got this very passionate note from a guy who was like, who loved his pump and was, uh, he was clearly mad. And then I was just like, Hey, all right, cool. Like come on the podcast and tell me about it. And then we had a great conversation. So it was, uh, it was really interesting, but, uh, it was interesting to see that someone felt, um, like that pump meant more to him than it wasn't just a, a an object. Like it was, it was a really important thing to him and he felt like defending its honor. It was really, it was kind of, it was amazing actually to, to, to watch it all play out. And I'm so glad that I didn't just ignore his note or, you know, and when I was younger, I just would have like argued with him for fun, but I didn't, <laughs> I just was like, instead, let me talk to you and see what's going on here. Anyway. Whatever pump you have yeah. is amazing if it's working for you. I guess I can relate to that. I remember being a kid when I first got that pump. I I walked out of the hospital with that pump, but I was never actually asked if I wanted to use it. Yeah. You know, or if I wanted to do MDI. But I, I kept it for so long and I remember um they were trying to push me to get, you know, the newest version. And I was like, no, this is fine. I like this one. I I don't like change. Like this is my pump and I keep, I'm keeping it. Right. That's so yeah, I can relate to, to that person that you were talking to. Uh, it makes me wonder about how, because Arden's used Omnipod her whole life and it's disposable. I wonder if it feels differently to her. Like, I wonder if it doesn't, like she has no real connection to it. Cause it's a thing that every three days she throws away. Like, I wonder if that like psychologically yeah. makes a difference or not. I don't know. I'm really like, in my own head this morning. Maybe it was too early for us to do this. I don't know. For me, it's super late for you, but it's, um, I don't know why I'm, I feel like, uh, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it sounds like I'm high today. I'm like, <laughs> like, what about this? <laughs> do you think <laughs> I'm just, I'm just very, what about this today for some reason? Um, I'm sorry if I, uh, how are your expectations so far? Is this, like, are you like, God, we didn't talk about any of the things I wanted to talk about? Or are we doing okay? No, no, this has been good. Has it really? Yeah. I can't tell sometimes. Like, I'm having a good time. That's my only measuring stick. Like, when I get done, I'm like, oh, I like that. And then I think other people like it, too. But I don't know. <laughs> it's just a crapshoot. I don't actually know any of you who are listening. So this is just my best guess for what's uh, interesting. Like, I found this incredibly interesting. Um so, okay. Are you dating at all? Yes. Okay. Even with school, that's possible. And with your weekends taken up? Uh, yes. I've, I've been with my boyfriend for almost three years now. Is that boy going to go to France with you if you go to France? That's the plan. Wow. He likes you. Okay. All right. Um, does he speak French? No, he doesn't. Wow. Uh. I've been trying to tell him to start some French lessons on the side. <laughs> I took three years of French, Sasha, in high school. I know Nuf is nine. That's all. Yeah, I that's know. not French. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's all I got out of that. <laughs> I sat in that room for three years thinking, do not call on me. Please do not call on me. <laughs> like, please, please, please don't ask me a question. Um, I was... Uh, uh, not good at it. I don't think I have the capacity to learn other languages. Um, but it's, uh, my daughter talks about like when she's younger, she's like, I want to go to fashion. She wants to go to school for fashion. And so she talks about New York and France. And 
you know, she's like, you know, when she was longer, like, if I wanted to go to school in France, could I? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Meanwhile, I don't know how to pay for that. And I have no idea if that's actually possible. But what I've learned is that most pe- things people say don't actually happen anyway. So it's better just to be positive. <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, of course you could. Um, but I don't know what she would do if she got there and, you know, couldn't speak any French. What would you do? Like, what is your boy? Is like your bo- good. I, f- I feel like if you actually move there, you have no choice but to learn it. Yeah, you don't know me. I would walk around the- <laughs> just be the rest of my life going, Do you ever- has anyone ever noticed? You'd be saying this in French, but, you know, just you'd be like, do you ever notice that guy, Scott, never talks to anybody? <laughs> so it's because I would just be going, I don't understand anything anyone's saying. <laughs> I just, I don't know. My brain could- doesn't do that. Like, it wouldn't hear you say a word and hold a thing and eventually learn the word. I mean, maybe it would, but I have no confidence that it would, I guess I should say. I'm old. I think I think most people think about it like that if they're just trying to learn it in their home country. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a lot more difficult. But if you are by yourself in a different country, I think that eventually you just kind of learn it somehow. How long do you think it'll take your boyfriend before he's like, you know, can get by? Oh, tough question. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is he Australian? I feel like, yes, he is. Would you feel any pressure if you moved him to France to stay with him, even if you didn't like him anymore because you took him to France? Well, I, I wouldn't take them. I wouldn't take him if I didn't like him. <laughs> no, I understand. That's not what I'm asking you. Hold on, Sasha. This is going to be fun. Don't let me ruin your life, though, okay? Stop me if it's getting that. Percent. What if you get there, and a couple of years from now, you're like, uh, this boy, tired of him, okay? But then your next thought is, I moved him from Australia to France. I can't break up with him. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right. Just be careful, Okay. When you're in, when you're mid twenties, nothing makes sense. But um, you feel like when I was twenty five, I was like, I understand everything. And then when I was thirty, I was like, Oh my god! When I was twenty five, I might have been like, like stupid. <laughs> so, um, and now I'm fifty, and I think God, when I was forty, I was an idiot. So it just that keeps happening. Anyway, I don't want to see the guy abandoned in France, only speaking seven words, and one of them being baguette. You know what I mean? And he's just like <laughs> staying alive on bread. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's all you need, right? Don't you wish? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with anything. But how come French people eat so much more bread and aren't heavier? I don't know. I'm right about know. that, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people make that comment to me in Australia. And I don't know. Like, if I just move to France, can I eat more carbs? <laughs> and I'll be okay. <laughs> it's something to do with how far you are from, like, the the equator? <laughs> Maybe it's genes or portion sizes. I don't know. You know, I'm realizing now because I'm an idiot about most things that France and where I am is probably fairly equivalent distances from the equator. So the joke doesn't even work. But um, (laughs) at least I could figure that out reasonably quickly. But no, I'm, but seriously, yeah, like that's fascinating. Like there's bread with everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. And wine. And cheese. And if I ate like that, I'd weigh 500 pounds. That seems unfair. <sighs> all right. Do I have to go to France with you just to find out if I can eat bread? Can you imagine if I showed up and I was like, all right, let's do this, Sasha. Where's the bread? 
And then like, two, I think you'd have a great time. No, two weeks into it, you'd be like, Scott, you're, you're blowing up like a balloon. You have to stop with the bread. I'd be 20 pounds heavier in a week and a half. Trust me. Um, that's amazing. Okay. Uh, how is, how, so you're right now, I want to finish up with this. So you're looping. Where's your A1C right now? Um, it's under six. Good for you. That's lovely. Um, and prior to that and was loop. So was the podcast reminded you of things. It sounds like Gary's book got you thinking about it. The podcast kind of brought it to focus for you. The podcast acts as a reminder for you. You learn about loop from the show and what's the progress of your A1C through that time period. I think the biggest change was just getting a CGM Mm -hmm. um, and being able to see what my blood sugar was doing in between meals. Yeah. And that brought it down from like, I think seven to six. Gotcha. Or like six and a half around there. Yeah. And, and then getting the pump and looping allowed me to not, I guess not stress about it as much. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like when I got, I, I, this is something I heard a lot of people talk about, but I um, when I get first got the CGM, I was just stressed all the time about it because obviously, you know, everything is in real time and you're, you're getting stressed about the direction of the arrows. Maybe you should snort some insulin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that next time. As you were saying that, my brain's like, oh God, she's walking right into a joke about the insulin and the nose thing. This is fantastic. <laughs> it's weird to have to um to have to to have to have a conversation and direct entertainment at the same time. Like sometimes my brain's thinking about two things at once. Maybe I could learn French. Um, but <laughs> it, it's just like I was have I, I I was really am- amazed by what you were saying. At the same time, I was like can I just joke about this, then not talk about the joke, but I've broken the third wall down a while ago with you. So it doesn't matter anymore. Um, wow. Okay. So you, so that you see your, you see your blood sugars at first, it's anxious to be able to see them, but do you still feel like that now? No, or not as much at least. And the Um, loop helped you with that because why you're not afraid of lows as much. I was never really afraid of lows. Um, I was more afraid of highs, actually, um, because you know of everything telling you, you know, if if your A one C is above a certain number, your feet will fall off or something. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, but they never said, "Hey, if your blood sugar gets too low, you'll pass out." No. Interesting. I mean, it was it was kind of implied, but <laughs> kind yeah. of implied. It, it didn't seem <laughs> it didn't seem like as as big of an issue because you know you just eat and and bob your uncle. So two things. First of all, that's interesting because what it proves is whatever mindset you put somebody in is where they are. That's where they started. So you you somebody didn't start off by making you scared of being low, and so you weren't. Right. That's amazing. And. Did you just say Bob, your uncle, or did I completely misunderstand you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. And so that's a saying. Yeah. I have no frame of reference for that. <laughs> it's, you know, like everything's everything's fine. Like, 
that's that's the way it is sort of thing. That's what it means. All right, hold on. Bob's your uncle is a phrase commonly used in Ireland, the United Kingdom, and the Commonwealth countries that means, and there it is, or, and there you have it, or it's done. Typically, someone says it to conclude a set of simple instructions or when a result is reached. Bob's your uncle. Gotcha. When you said that, I thought I was having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not hearing words anymore. (laughs) You started reaching for water. I'm like, am I dehydrated? Maybe I'm dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought I'm going to let it go. And then I'm like, no, no, no. I got to find out what that, what just happened there. Okay. And so it's just, that's just what it is. It is what it is. Gotcha. It is what it is. It is what it is. Okay. Um, I might start saying that I'm making a note here. Also, by the way, congratulations. You named your episode. That's great. This one's going to be called (laughs) Bob's your uncle. Um, That's okay. So, but, but my, my original point, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you long. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, My original point back there was that if a doctor gets you, the first thing they make you afraid of is the thing you're going to be afraid of. Like, because it seems like they must know something and it's the beginning, right? So you're like, well, there's this learned person here who obviously knows way more about diabetes than I do. And this is what they've told me to be afraid of. My feet are going to fall off if I let my blood sugar be too high. That's the vibe you got. And so if a doctor says, look, if you get low, you're going to drop dead, you know, that and that's the vibe you get from somebody. Then you avoid the lows. And so by avoiding the lows, you really are making your blood sugar higher. But by being told to avoid the highs even though you kind of didn't really know what you were doing a whole lot, you still had an A1C in the sevens, which is not bad. You know what I mean? So there's something about that that was, I think that makes sense. Like when I, I'll say on here, like, you know, the saying that most people get is it's better to be high than low. But what I say is I'd rather stop a lower falling blood sugar than fight with a high one. And I think that just that, that idea I haven't said this on the podcast in a long time, but that's my mantra around diabetes. I'd rather stop a low or falling blood sugar than fight with a high one. If you just come from that perspective every day, it's an A1C in the sixes. It's just a perspective. It's a perspective thing. So I think it's important about how people talk to you and what they choose to make you aware of. And moreover, Maybe it's not good to make people afraid of things. Wouldn't it be better just to give them a working knowledge of it and and then some tools to to exist in? That's how I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think I think in that sense looping is is really great or any kind of algorithm, algorithm. that you can use because not only is gonna is it gonna prevent your lows and prevent you from, you know, having to stuff your face all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to start doing the work for you when you when it sees you going high, so you don't have to wait as long to to act. And hopefully, the high is not as high later on. And I think as the years go on, and we have more time with it, the company should make the stopping of the high blood sugars with the algorithm more aggressive, because it does need to be pretty aggressive. You can't just you know. You can't do a yeah. you can't do a, a slight basal increase when you you know 
when you're suddenly 125 diagonal up because you missed on your meal bolus by 20 carbs. Like that's not going to, I mean, it might keep you under 200, but it's not going to, it's not going to just bring you right back again. So as that gets, and loop does that, are you using, what version of loop are you using? Um, I'm not using the automatic small boluses. Oh, okay. One. All right. So yours, Um, yours is just a Johnston basil for you. Yeah, it is. Arden's is the auto bolus one. It's really cool. It's just like you can mess up and 10 minutes later you get a diagonal up arrow and the thing's like more here, I'll give you more. It's very, and it still could be more aggressive. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's a, it's a window into what I think retail, retail available systems are going to be, you know, in the coming years, I'm just super excited for everybody's to be on the market and for people to learn how to use them. Because I think for most people, they're going to be incredible improvements. So, you know, now if you've got a five, five, a one C you might not want that, but if you're a person walking around with an eight and a half and slapping an algorithm pump on, you could bring you to a mid six or a, even a high six. It's a big improvement for you out of nowhere. You know, on, honestly, if, even if you have a, a low a one C it's, it's still going to be an improvement, maybe not in, in numbers, but the, variability. the mental load. I agree with you. Like there may be people who are willing to say, look, I have a five, five, but I'm going to switch to this algorithm and not have to worry about this as much and have a six, three and just be like, Hey, whatever, this is like, trading a little bit here. I also think, and I'm excited to get Omnipod five for Arden so I can really find out. But I also think there's going to be ways to, do I want to say manipulate? I think there's going to be ways to use the insulin within the algorithm that'll lead to the lower A1Cs even lower than what the algorithm is shooting for through the F, like through the FDA guidelines. Uh, I'm not certain, but I'm excited to try it. So I think it's possible because you hear people yeah. like manipulate control IQ, right, with tandem and and get better outcomes than I think what the algorithm's written for. So I, there's got to be a way. I'm I'm I can't wait. And and especially as Arden's leaving for college, I love Loop, but Arden's not going to build a app on her laptop. I don't think. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to imagine her away at university, and um, she, you know, it's like, hey, my app needs to be rebuilt. I'll do it. <laughs> like I'm not certain that's her vibe. Um, yeah, it, it's a big commitment. Yeah, and I think yeah. if you're not if you're not involved from the get go, it's kind of hard to. Just be forced into, into it. it later. Yeah. I uh, listen, I barely understand it. And there are people who help me when I, I'm like, help me please. Like, and that's just, you know, I get to, I know those people because of the podcast or I don't think I'd, I mean, honestly, you heard me say "nuff" after three years of French. That's not even correct. Like I, the one thing I think I know isn't even right. So can you imagine me like learning the loop out like stuff? Like it wouldn't go well. This is the thing yeah. I'm good at right here. Sasha talking about killing spiders and, whether or not you could kick a kangaroo's ass, like stuff like that's more my speed. So <laughs> isn't it weird now that you've talked to me in person that I'm the, that I understand diabetes in the way I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes sense. No, does it, does, does it feel like you just met like a homeless person who, who like understands rocket science? You're like, wait, I don't understand. Like, how did you end up in this situation? If you know how to get a rocket into space, like there's this one thing I'm really good at and everything else I'm, just very average, I guess. 
I, I think you're very good at making parallels with, you know, random everyday examples that happen to you. It really is my only skill. Please don't tell people. It makes me seem very basic, which is not a word I've used. <laughs> oh, no, no. I didn't, I didn't say that was your only skill, but I did say it was a skill. It might be my only skill, though. <laughs> it might be my only skill that I hear something and that I have so much trouble understanding it that I just turn it into a pictogram in my head. And then I can, in a fun way, describe it to you in a way where you can remember it. Like, it works in this scenario, but, like, Imagine if you and I were dating and like something came up that I didn't understand that I started telling some long ass story to get to the point you'd be like, oh my God, I got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't you think my wife downstairs is like right now like, oh, it's going to come explain something to me. It's going to take way more words than it should. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know that I don't think of you as the age you are because of your accent? Really? Yeah, do I sound old? It's just older. It's there's something about the British and or Australian vibe that makes you feel like you're in your thirties, you own your home and you've got stuff together. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> it could just be me, but um that's how it feels to me. Like I have to I've had to remind myself that you're twenty five a number of times while we were talking. That's okay. That makes me feel better actually. Does it really? Yeah. Why do you think I mean, you, it, why? it's always a compliment if you sound more mature than you are, right? You seem together to me. But I don't know if you're not going to get off this podcast and like do a line of Coke and then drink a fifth of whiskey. I'm like, I don't know who you really are. Do you know what I mean? Like, but in this conversation, <laughs> you, plus you're Australian, like, I feel like you're going to go outside with a bat and just like maraud or something. That's probably not really what Australia is like, right? No. Nah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, if you live out in the bush, maybe. But. <laughs> I have no perspective. I almost made it to Australia one time. There's a group of type ones that wanted to bring me down there to give a talk. And we just couldn't pull the finances together because of the long trip and everything and the, the uh, expense. Um, but I was excited to try it. But I don't think it's ever going to happen because I'm old. And now everybody does everything over Zoom anyway. You know? It sucks. Uh, I mean, it's coronavirus ever has an end mm. i reckon you'd be able to pull it off yeah but now i think i think honestly there's a lot of people as you said there's a lot of australians listening to the podcast i think i think it would be really useful if i had well, i'm gonna end with this sasha because i have to let you go because it's 12 22 where you are and i assume you have to get up in the morning um if I had like a big pile of money and I didn't know what to do with it, like if somebody came along and was like, Scott, we think you're doing a great job with the podcast. Here's $2 million to do whatever you want to help people with type one. I do think that part of what I would do would be to travel to like some places to just talk. Um, I'd love to talk to doctors and people who talk to people um, about diabetes. I'd love to explain to them like the, what I found works talking to people. And there are some places that have supported the podcast so greatly like i would love to visit um australia is definitely one of them the united kingdom is really supportive of the podcast like i'd love to go there um it's got a a, a very interesting following in south africa um the show which is always really interesting to me and then i just would love to just bop around the united states and you know do a talk and go and 
see if we couldn't help some people and get people talking about diabetes in a different way and get doctors thinking about stuff beyond just what's easy in the moment and lumping everybody together into one pile and least common denominator, you know, teaching. I'd, I'd love to talk about that a little bit, but I'm just going to keep doing it here um, because like you said, coronavirus and money, etc. But I'm really thrilled you found the show and that it's helped you at all. Like you really sound like your, your life's on its way. It's cool. You feel good. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Good for you. It's definitely, are you more hopeful about your life than you were five years ago? With diabetes, you mean? Yeah, diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think as you said, as as those algorithms keep getting better and better, I'm just, you know, hoping that one day I'll find the perfect one that suits my lifestyle. Keep looking. Because I'm yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like don't get don't get um complacent. Um I think there's a, a fine line between not being complacent and not switching just to switch. You know what I mean? Like you don't just like, just don't get a new pump. Like, cause a new, like, you know, some people are like, Oh, a new phone. And they just get it like, you know, but don't stop looking. Um, and I think really believe that this stuff's going to get better and better as time goes on. Um, and I hope the companies listening are, um, it would be nice if they did the same thing. If they didn't just say, well, this is good. We've improved things for people good enough. Like if they really just pushed forward to see what, what they could do and be brave about it. Um, you know, there's, there's people out there who already know how to do this stuff. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel, go find them and, uh, bring bring this stuff to the masses. That'd be really cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it would. All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. You were terrific. I was silly and I appreciate you putting up with me. So thank you. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I feel like I want to apologize to you. I don't know what that means, but I guess we'll find out when I listen back and edit it later. I'll be like, Oh, I did. I did. Oh, that girl an apology. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Are you sure? Okay, good. Yeah. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors. Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. Uh, fun fact this show was also almost called Rampaging Kangaroo. There's a lot of quality opportunities here to name the podcast. Hey, I'd like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juice box.